want to speak to you today on the topic of praying without fainting. Praying without fainting. It's probably one of the most uh, important things for us to grasp in our Christian lives. To pray and to keep praying until something happens. Because that's the way that God has ordered things. Not just to pray once, but to continue in prayer until we get what he wants us to have. Now, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And we have a parable there. And I'll get to the parable in a second, but Luke 18, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. So I'm going to stop there, because we can read the parable and not perhaps know what the purpose of the parable was. But here is so explicit. Jesus is telling a story to show that at all times we ought to pray, and listen to this, and not lose heart. Jesus was aware that there would be temptations and scenarios where we would lose our heart for praying and would become discouraged and wonder whether our prayers were having any effect and feeling like giving up. So this is the story that he told, verse 2, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterwards he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the, unjust, the unrighteous judge said. Now... Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Persistence in prayer is one of the most important Bible truths for the Christian life, to pray and not to give up. We could go to other passages, um, I'll just mention them, Luke chapter 11, for example, where Jesus begins uh, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. But as soon as Jesus has given them the Lord's Prayer, he doesn't stop. We often stop. Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer, isn't that great? But then Jesus knew that their problem would be is that they wouldn't continue in praying the themes of the Lord's Prayer. So straight after that, he speaks about the parable of the man who knocks on his neighbor's door because uh, some, some guests have arrived. It's the middle of the night. He doesn't have any bread. He knocks on the door and we have an un, un, a, 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 a neighbor that is, not, that is reluctant to help, but he keeps knocking. And even though he doesn't want to help, he helps and gives him the bread. And then straight after that, it says, knock and keep knocking and the door will be opened. Seek and keep seeking and you'll eventually find. Ask and keep asking and you will eventually be answered. And then he talks about, you know, uh, if, if, if a child 
if, if, if a child asks his parent for a fish, will his parent give him a snake or an egg? Will he give him a scorpion? If you being evil know how to good gifts, give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to who asks them? So there is a theme here about continuing to pray and to knock on God's door and to ask and keep asking him and to seek and not to stop, but to keep seeking. Here's a judge. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. He's not interested in this woman at all in any way. This judge in Luke 18 couldn't care less about this woman, whether she lived, whether she died, whether she was helped, whether she wasn't helped. He was not interested in her at all. But she kept on coming. She kept on plaguing him with her requests. She wouldn't let him go. The picture is that wherever he went, she would be there. The picture is if he went out for a nice meal outside in a restaurant, guests would be at the window, knocking on the window. Or, or, or if he got up in the morning and had his breakfast, as he opened his door, there she was. When he's left his office, perhaps late at night, and uh, stepped in to the late evening and the darkness, there she was. She wouldn't let him, let him go because he had no intention of helping her, none whatsoever. So you can see that she must have really pestered him for someone who couldn't care less to actually then put some energy into the legal process to give her what she needs. That Jesus taught us this so that we would pray and not lose heart. And then the Lord says, look, that's what the unrighteous judge then he says, now will not God bring about justice for his elect? So in other words, what Jesus is saying, I know it's a very simple parable, but it's a very powerful parable to remember at that time when you feel like fainting or giving up in praying through an issue with the Lord. And he says, if this person who couldn't care less gave this lady what she needed because she wouldn't give up, how much more will God, who absolutely adores you, cares about you and everything about you, wants your good and wants your best, is your heavenly Father who looks after you, who cared so much about you that he sent his own Son to carry your sins on the cross so that you could be adopted into his family, have your sins forgiven and be embraced in the Father's arms. This God who is 100% for you, 100% of the time and couldn't do more for you than have given his son for you and in giving his son for you how much more will he at the right time give everything to you that is good for you and good for the kingdom so if that unrighteous judge through persistence gave this woman what she needed how much more will God give you exactly what you need and answer your prayers that are in his will sooner or later? There's something about holding on and pressing in and waiting on God and wrestling in prayer that God wants us 
to learn. God could give us whatever we needed in an instant, correct? God could answer our prayers even as we were uttering them, and sometimes he does. He is known for instant prayers. Sometimes he answers our prayers before we even, I was just going to ask for that, and he's given it to us. These things happen, instantaneous answers, these types of quick answers. But you know, that is not the normal course of Christian prayer. The normal course of Christian prayer takes a a, a season, of however long God decides, of pressing in, of holding on, of effectual fervent prayer, of availing with God. Why? Because the process of praying is just as important as the receiving that comes from praying. Prayer moulds the soul into the image of God. Prayer enriches our soul. It broadens and matures the soul so that it's able to handle the answers that we are asking the Lord for. Pressing our desires on God with urgency and persistence is something that he wants us to do. I mean, think of some of the great intercessors in the Bible. Think about Abraham with Sodom and Gomorrah. And God shares with him the judgment that is going to come upon that city. And what does Abraham do? Well, you know the story. There's a back and forth of intercession. Would you spare the city for this amount, for that amount? And, then, and it's almost like a bartering, like an ancient bartering system until Abraham gets them down to 10 righteous men. Would you destroy a city if it had 10 righteous men in? It was an intercession. It was a process Someone once said that maybe, and I wouldn't say this, I'm not going to uh, criticise Abraham, but somebody I read once said that maybe Abraham even then gave up too soon with the ten. Maybe he should have pressed the issue. What about Moses? God said to Moses, he says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with these idolaters, the children of Israel. They're going to get what's coming to them. And this golden car, I am going to judge them. And guess what? You'll be all right. In fact, uh, you'll be like the second Abraham Moses because I'll start all over again with the nation of Israel through you. So you're going to be all right. Well, what did Abraham do? 40 days and 40 nights. He prayed to the Lord. He sought the Lord. He, 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 he sought the Lord. And the Lord actually said to Moses, let me alone in my wrath. Imagine that. Imagine God telling you, don't pray about it or leave it. You're praying about a soul or you're praying about a circumstance or you're praying about a city. And God says to you, leave it. Leave me alone. Chances are that in the modern church, we'd be more than happy to leave him alone. Uh, that, that cuts a bit of time out of my day. I've been seeking God, pressing in and open. He said, leave me alone. All right, well, you know, if that's the way you want it, leave me alone. Well, Moses didn't leave him alone. What about when God said to Elijah, I'm going to bring rain? And Elijah had to pray seven times, each time sending his servant to see. What if he'd only prayed six? What if he'd stopped on the sixth and gave up and done what Jesus was concerned about, lost heart, stopped praying, and didn't pray through to victory? 
This is the danger for us. Daniel spent three weeks praying. He saw in the word that Jeremiah said that the children of Israel would only be in Babylon for 70 years and then they would come back home. Well, a remnant would come back home. What did he do? Sit back, watch Sky Sports, because if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, for three weeks in weakness, he sought the Lord without any goosebumps, without any sense of anointing. He just prayed and interceded and pressed in. And then you know what happens. The angel came through, burst through the heavenlies with the answer and the deliverance was accomplished. This widow pressed her case until the just judge yielded. And that's the meaning of the parable. To press God in the things that we know are God's will and to keep pressing and to keep pressing with fervency. It, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, James said, reflecting on Elijah praying seven times. Not just the prayer, not just the effective, but the fervency, this desire. God wants to know Sometimes God really wants to know how much we want it. And he wants to see how much we want it. Oh Lord, send revival in Britain today. Okay, I'll pray that next year as well. And God's like, really? Really? Is that it? Is that how badly you want it? Matthew chapter 15, 21. Here's a woman that wanted an answer from Jesus and he, res he seemed to be resisting her. Matthew 15, verse 21. The Syrophoenician woman. Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from the region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And the disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall through the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O oh woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. She had great grief, great burden, a great need. And she allowed that great need, grief and burden to persevere through all these oppositions that the Lord put in front of her almost to stop her from getting the answer. I mean, when Jesus went into the district of Tyre and Sidon, the Luke version says that he would have no man know it. So he went into Tyre and Sidon. He didn't want anybody to know and he didn't want anyone to visit him. He didn't want any ministry opportunities. And so when she came along, uh, she was rebuffed. She, he did not answer her a word. He ignored her. But she broke through his, his ignoring, his purpose not to see anyone. He, she violated his privacy. She attracted his attention. And she poured out appeal. 
here it is. Jesus pays not no attention. He ignores her cry. He's silent. When the disciples say, for goodness sake, Jesus, do something here. He says, I'm not being sent to do this. When she finally breaks through, not at Jesus's pleasure. When she broke through, he wasn't sitting there going, hi, how are you? His face was like, what the heck do you think you're doing? This was the attitude that she was uh, being met with. And when she finally said, help me, said, I'm not, it's not good for me to give bread to dogs like you. And even then, in being insulted, she kept on moving forward. And then Jesus said, what great faith this is. What if she'd not broken through? What if she'd, she'd heard silence and given up? What if she had, had, had been offended by what the Lord seemingly was saying to her, but she didn't give, give up because she knew that Jesus had the answer? You know that Jesus has the answer. I hope you know that Jesus has the answer to all the situations and circumstances and the things that you face face internally in your life and externally around you. Jesus has the answer. Jesus can answer your prayers. But he's looking for us to press in because he wants to do something during that. You know, let me recommend a book to you. My favourite book on prayer. It's the complete collection of E.M. Bounds on prayer. The complete collection of E.M. Bounds. B-O-U-N-D-S. E.M. Bounds. You can get quite cheap versions of it on the internet and things like that. I think you can get it free on the internet. Is there anybody who has an iTunes account? One. (laughs) Well, us two, what we can do... (laughs) If you've got an iTunes, you can download iTunes uh, CDs and things. You can, down, you can also download audio books. And what I've done is I've downloaded E.M. Bounds' collection on prayer as an audio book. I think it's only about seven pounds. And so what I do is I listen to it as a regular part of my devotions. But often I will listen to it when the last thing that I want to do is pray when I've got to that place of fainting, got to that place of giving up, got to that place of weariness and I've had enough and I don't want to pray anymore and uh, I'm giving up and I just can't be bothered and, all, and I'm disappointed with God and I'm wondering whether he ever, he's listening up there. All these things that Jesus expects us to wrestle with and to think about and to go through these. That's why he taught us the parable. So I'll put on some EM bounds and within 10 to 15 minutes, I'm usually turning him off because I'm praying again. I want to pray again. Because he, he talks so much about the benefits of prayer, not just in the answer that God gives to us, but the way that God works through. I'm slowly learning that the greatest work that God does in my character is through persistence prayer. Seeking him, being offended by him, questioning him, wondering if he's hearing, wondering whether this, this is making any difference, uh, praying about things and they seem to be getting worse, praying for nations and they seem to be getting harder to the Lord. All these things, expect these things. But then there are times when you have answered prayer where it makes everything worthwhile. How many people 
have ever, ever persisted and persisted and persisted and persisted in prayer and finally God answers. I think it's probably the most wonderful experience that you could have on earth or, or certainly one of the top experiences that you could have on earth. I remember once praying so long for something that was, and it was in God's will, that was for sure, praying so long and persisting and taking it to the Lord again and again. And during that time, God was doing a very, very deep work through the process of maturing and trusting and saying, well, Lord, it's up to you. All these things I was praying. And then one day the answer came out of the blue. And when that answer came, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with myself. I'd been knocking so long and pushing against that door so long that when it opened, I fell over and I didn't know what to do. I was in the room. Something had happened. But it was the most amazing thing because every time I struggle in persistent prayer, I remember that persistent prayer that took a long, long time. But when it came through, it was the most marvelous, wonderful thing. And it was more marvelous and wonderful because I had to wait for it pray for it, desire it, seek it, so that when God's answer came, I was ready for the answer. And I appreciated the answer in a way that I would not have appreciated and valued what God did if I'd had it even an hour earlier. You see, God wants to answer our prayers but he wants us to be grateful for those answers and for many things that we're praying for, he wants us to be ready for those answers that we can cope with the kinds of blessings or the kinds of breakthroughs that we want. You spoil a child by giving a child too much, too soon, too quickly, all of the time to the place where they don't appreciate anything. But a child that has to wait, a child that has to seek, a child that has to be patient for when they get that toy they've been asking for. When they get that toy, it's that much more precious and looked after because of that. Now hear me, I'm not saying that God is always going to spend months and years <laughs> answering prayer. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I've said he can answer in an instant. We see that in the Bible. But my topic today is, what have you given up praying for? Who have you given up praying for? What have you given up praying for? Prayed, and you prayed, and you stopped. But who's to say that you're not one prayer away from the victory? Who's to say you're not Elijah, you're not Elisha and Elijah, sorry, and you've just done it the sixth and you've stopped and God's just sitting there waiting, wondering whether you're going to pray the seventh time that's going to bring the breakthrough into your life? Who's to say you're not a Syrophoenician that has not been stumbled at some level in approaching Jesus over a situation in your life? And who's to say that if you just keep on breaking through and allow your frustration to be fuel for your prayer, allow your anger to be fuel for your prayer, allow your despair to be fuel for your prayer, most negative emotions that we experience are actually intended to be fuel to take things to the Lord. Unfortunately, what we tend to do when we have negative emotions and negative feelings is we tend not to pray and then dump them on other people, don't we? 
you're the problem, you're this, I'm we dump them. But you take the negatives, the, dis- the, the disappointments, the despair, the, uh, and, and you allow those things to energize your prayer. You'll, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be praying. I wonder, again, this, this is more rhetorical, you know, after this, but has anybody really ever cried out to the Lord in this place? That's not a rebuke, I know that. Have you ever really cried before the Lord? It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to cry out before the Lord in brokenness. We spoke about brokenness last week. Broken, yet whole. There's a beautiful thing about pouring out your soul in prayer to the Lord, about coming to him again and again. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. But also, and then I'll close because this is enough. These are just thoughts. I've also found that a confidence comes into our lives when we're praying over something, even if nothing happens. There's things that I have prayed over regularly for years. And you say, have they happened? No. Concerns that I've had that I've prayed for, my concerns for years. Have they happened yet? No. What if they happened? Do you know what? I'm not worried anymore. Because there's certain things I've so covered in prayer persistently and sometimes with fear and anxiety it overcomes my prayer but after a while bringing these things to the Lord on a regular basis not a religious type of oh I've got to do it again I've got to do it again but just to bringing it up to you again Lord and regularly praying over this Lord and regularly praying over that Lord and regularly praying for this person Lord and regularly praying that after a while as the days turn into weeks and the weeks turns into months And although nothing may have happened, you know you've prayed it through and are praying it through, which is releasing. Because when you've prayed through situations, especially situations that you're worried are going to happen, scenarios that come before you in the midnight hour, could be family, could be work, could be finances, could be anything. But when you have prayed over these things, even though nothing's happened, there comes a confidence that they're laid before. In fact, I have some prayer things where I go, I'm not coming to you on this. I mean, having said persevere in prayer, there's times when I've had a witness where I've said, Lord, I've prayed over this so many times in the last three or four years that I know it's covered I'm bringing it to your attention again, but I'm not, I'm not going to press in on this because I've prayed it through and I've prayed it through. I'm just waving up, Lord, those prayers I prayed, every prayer I've prayed over this circumstance for the last five years, they're still before your throne. I'm a great believer that when you pray to the Lord in his will, that those prayers stay on his throne. So on, on his inbox tray, on his desk with his name Bruce on, there's a big pile There's a big pile of uh, memos and those memos on certain things have been going back months and years and I'm just sticking up another memo and I know that this memo is going on top of the other memo because I haven't heard yet so I'm going to keep, it's like some people out there keep sending the emails until they get a reply. Keep sending, you just keep sending, you just keep sending, you just keep sending. But I know that some of these things... I don't know what's going to happen in these areas. I don't know what. But you know what? I've covered it in prayer. And when the time comes, I'll be ready. Why? Because I've prayed about it. You hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to give you a feel of what can be accomplished as we grow in prayer. No one's asking you to be the best prayer in the world. All I'm saying is there's so much more that you can experience of God in persistence prayer. And, and, 
And what will really, really mature you as a Christian is prayer. More than anything else, circumstances, yes, but praying will mature you. You'll get to know God. You'll you'll increase in your relationship with him. Trust levels will rise and you'll, you'll be prepared. There'll be a quiet confidence that in your regular bringing of things to the Lord, whatever happens, he's in control. And even if it goes pear-shaped, you say, well, I'll tell you what, I brought this to the Lord. So if it goes pear-shaped, well, the Lord knows what he's doing. He's not asking you, and don't fear, I've got to pray more, I've got to pray more. Don't act like that. You just keep coming to the Lord. Keep asking, keep bringing, and he'll do a deep work in your life. Pray and don't faint. And if you do faint, pick yourself back up. Start all over again. Bring it back to him and bring it back to him and bring it back to him. And every time you're bringing it back to him, he's doing something inside you. And then when it comes, Jesus said, if that uh, wicked judge gave the answer, how much more at the perfect time will God hear you and answer you? And then that answer will be one of the sweetest moments of your life, but at the same time, you'll be thanking God that you had to persevere and keep on keeping on because it's just as much as his, his plan as the answer was. Let's bow our heads in prayer. When you consecrate yourself afresh to the Lord in prayer, maybe you've fainted in prayer, maybe you say, well, my prayer life, it's all over the place. All right, well, here we are again. Join the club. At times I've had to pick myself up from fainting in prayer. Prayer is a prayer. Prayer is a work of the Holy Spirit. He works in our lives. So, So just come back to the Lord. Maybe you've been weary. Maybe you've prayed and you've not seen. Continue to pray. Your continuance in prayer is as valuable as the answer that you're seeking. Know that. God knows that we need prayer and God knows that that the effects of prayer need to be released in our lives. If I could the worship team uh, back, back, back up in, in, in our hearts. I sense spiritually, I suppose it's obvious in a way, but I do sense, I believe, spiritually disappointments to do with the things that I've been talking about, disappointments with God, expectations of God that weren't or haven't yet been fulfilled. I see people expecting so much and feeling that they've received so little. I see people that at times really believed that God was going to do something and they were praying that God would do it and he didn't. And you're thinking, I I was so sure, I thought I had such faith that God was going to do it and he didn't. And that knocked you over, stumbled you a bit, and has sort of pulled you back from, um, from your prayer life. But what you need to know is if God didn't do it, there was a reason, a better reason than doing it, even if you don't understand that now. That's the type of trust levels you've got to get. You've got to say, but I really don't understand, Bruce. I can't understand why. I felt it was going to happen. I prayed it was going to happen. I had what I thought was full faith, and then the person didn't get healed. The situation didn't happen. 
the person wasn't the one that I thought they were for me. And I was disappointed. Well, you need to pick yourself up from disappointment and understand and trust in the Lord that he knows best even when it feels like we've experienced the worst. And that's the sort of people that God is looking for today. Somebody that will press on in despite. Someone that will, <laughs> not saying that any of us is at this level of spirituality yet, but Job, though he slay me, I'll yet trust him. And there's a man where it all went pear-shaped. Couldn't understand it, didn't know what was going on. Yet God was doing something behind the scenes that would be part of Holy Scripture. And as he poured out his fainting spirit to all this that he went through, and those words were written down, he had no idea that as he complained against God, in his confusion and his bemusement and in his prayer, that those words that he was writing down, as he poured out his heart of disappointment in prayer, were going to one day be part of Holy Scripture. And all those chapters where Job struggled, 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 and then that incredible turning up of God at the end and restoration. God came through. Sometimes shattered dreams are not shattered dreams at all. I hear this, I believe this is Holy Spirit speaking to some people. Sometimes your shattered dreams are not shattered dreams at all, but shattered illusions that had to be shattered so that the true dream of God could emerge in your heart. That's for some, some people here today. Take it deep, write it down. Sometimes shattered dreams are not shattered dreams at all, but shattered illusions that God has shattered so that his true dreams for you can then arise. For those illusions would never allow the reality of God's dream to come forth. Those illusions would hold back the emergence of the dream of God. Some of you have had shattered dreams, but may I say respectfully, and the Lord will touch you if it's Him, that they weren't His dreams. They were illusions. Shattered. Now you could go back to Him for a fresh dream. Or perhaps that dream has been there all along. You just never recognized it. Don't hold on to shattered dreams that were illusions all along. <clears throat> but go to the Lord for a new vision, a new dream, something that comes from His heart, not your own emotions. The blessing is in the pressing. I hear the Holy Spirit say, I believe. The blessing is in the pressing, the pushing, the pressing of God pleading in the Holy Spirit. That's where the blessing is. The blessing is in the pressing. I also believe the Holy Spirit. 
for some of you, the fears will go with the tears. The fears will go with the tears. When you take these things to the Lord, these deep things you're concerned about, your anxieties, your fears, your worries, your pains, as you go to the Lord and the tears well up, as you seek Him about these things, as the tears flow down your cheeks, the fears will go with the tears for some of you. That your joy may be full, seek me. God wants not just to give you joy in answered prayer, but He wants to give you a joy that is full, not a thin joy, not a surface happiness or a surface type of glee, but a fullness of joy, a joy that is full, a joy that is mature. He wants to answer your prayer that you get a fullness of joy, that when that answer comes, there'll be a fullness of joy and appreciation. Stay a while. Stay a while. Don't rush in and rush out, says the Lord. Some of you need to learn to rest with me. Just stay a while. Stay a while. Stay a while with me, says the Lord. Spend time in my presence. Not rushing in or rushing out. Not equating his presence with feelings alone, but just waiting. Waiting. Waiting for the Lord. There's great sanctifying power in simply waiting. Yeah, but what if, what if nothing happens? The nothing will mold you. Well, I've been waiting on the Lord and I don't feel anything and I don't hear. Yeah, he's working. Well, I, I wait a while and then nothing happens and I get bored. That's exactly what you need to go through. God is working in you something deeper it doesn't happen with a quick jump in and a quick jump out oh God we love you there is a place that the Lord will take you where you will become irresistible to him there is a type of prayer and a place in prayer. I've certainly not had it, but I hear the Lord encouraging us that there's a type of prayer and a place of prayer where we become irresistible. Just like that Syrophoenician was irresistible. Just like that uh, uh, persistent woman was irresistible. Just like Moses was irresistible. Daniel, irresistible. Irresistible, a place where God 
is almost like saying, oh, not you again, but actually he's saying it with such a big smile on his face because this person's not going to let him go. This person's got a heart like his and won't give up on something when they're praying. This person's like him and he sees his image in them and he sees his reflection and he sees his tenacity and he sees his desire. There's a place in prayer that we can approach where we become more and more irresistible in our prayers. God begins to do great things in us and through us. Let's stand together. Maybe you want to do a little bit more business there, out there. We've got 15 minutes. You can stand, you can sit, actually. Feel wherever you want. Maybe something said today resonated in your heart. Maybe just one thing, grab it, meditate on it, don't let it go. Maybe you need prayer here at the front. Whatever it is, there's an atmosphere of prayer here and faith and um, ministry team are now coming forward. And now's the time to meditate, maybe to pray for a while. Maybe you're just going to sit and kneel or stand and just during this time you're going to pray to the Lord and do business with Him. The floor's open for you. This evening is open for you. We're just going to spend the next 15 minutes seeking the Lord together, praying for one another and letting the Lord do what the Lord wants to do.